Welcome to the Echo Community Church Podcast. At Echo, we're all about being and making disciples of Jesus Christ. And on this podcast, you'll hear solid teaching from the Bible from our pastors at Echo. Thanks for checking us out and enjoy the message. We have a treat today. Um, uh, I am so thrilled that uh, Kendra's parents... uh, my father-in-law, mother-in-law, Paul Dross and Chris Drost are with us this morning to be able to minister to us. Um, many of you will recognize Pastor Paul, his roots in Baltimore City, Baltimore County, and Harford County run deep as he shared with us this morning. They're celebrating 50 years of full-time pastoral ministry, and um, that's a big deal. Most of us don't make it to 50 years in ministry, and that is a testament to their faithfulness to God and God's faithfulness to them. They are the founding pastors of Grace Assembly of God in Bel Air, Maryland, and um, in, he has recent, they have recently, I, I'm not using the R word, you've transitioned from full-time lead pastor to being the full-time founding pastor, and one of the things that Paul serves is he also pastors pastors. And pastors need pastoring too. Um, I can say amen to that because I need it. And the way that our fellowship is structured, the Assemblies of God, there's 14,000-ish churches in the U.S. and more than 50 million adherents to the Assemblies of God worldwide. We're divided up into regional districts. We're part of the Potomac Network, which is most of West Virginia, Maryland, and Virginia. And within our district, there are presbyters who are pastors who serve to help pastors and their geography just to encourage us, to pray with us, to look in on us, to just journey through life with us, make sure we're staying healthy in our body, soul, and spirit. And so Paul is the presbyter for our section, so he's had a huge impact in my own life. He actually was was the, the guy and part of the team that interviewed Pastor James and Pastor Zach for their ministry credentials, so you can thank him or condemn him later on, depending on what <laughs> I'm just playing. Um, but his, his influence on this church may not have, you may not always seen it visibly, but I want you to know, uh, Paul and Chris have had a huge impact on this church, and he's made himself available to other pastors in our section. He said, look, if you ever need a, a break or just want to take a Sunday and just get away with your family, I have the freedom in my life now to come and just, just teach in your absence. I was like, I don't want to, if you come, I'm not taking a break. I'm going to stay and take notes because I know that a big part of his doctoral work, a big part of it was studying Genesis 1 and 2. So when we talked about this in the spring, I said, I'm planning to start a series on Genesis in the fall. um, And I teach really short sermons. We'll be through all 50 chapters in two months. We won't. Um, But I knew that if we could kind of work it out, that in this section that was really close to his heart that he spent so much time with, if we could fit that into the rhythm of our teaching calendar, it would really be a blessing for us. And so with no more introduction, I want to give him as much time as I possibly can. Will you just join me in welcoming Pastor Paul as he comes to preach this morning? Well, good morning, and it's great to be with you. Had a wonderful time in the first service, and uh, just want to commend you as a church. Uh, We received such a warm welcome this morning, and the facilities are just absolutely lovely, so clean and so inviting. Love your cafe area, and uh, just it's a delight to be with you, and uh, what a strategic location that you're in. I said to Chris as we got on 95, we live up in Bel Air, 
I said, my goodness, we're only 12 minutes away from the church. That's a, that's a, a big territory to draw from. So the Lord has placed you here for a reason, and we're, it's just so good to be with you today. And I wanted to share with you, uh, Pastor Phil asked me to share um, in the book of Genesis uh, this morning as we continue in this series, and we're going to be looking at Genesis chapter 1 um, and uh, verses 26 through chapter 2, verses uh, number 4. And uh, it is true, I did interview... Uh, Zach, uh, Zach, rather, <laughs> and I said, now, Zach, um, you take good care of this girl. She's from, this young lady, she's from Grace, and or will be visiting later, and he's done a good job. We're delighted for them, and uh, we just thank the Lord for them. Um, I was reminded when I saw all the kids with presents, uh, my mind just flashed back to Christmas, when we have all the grandkids at the house. And uh, how many, you know, Christmas, you put all this time and effort into getting the, the gifts for each one just right, and they all have their, their big pile. In fact, Chase is now sort of Santa Claus. He loves to go around handing them out. And all the kids, they get it, and they open these humongous pile of presents, and while their cousins are opening them, they're looking with jealousy to see what they got. You know, it's, you, you, it never could be satisfied. So, yeah. And with uh, Phil and Kendra, we were uh, we first met Phil. Kendra had gone to uh, Valley Forge, and uh, she wanted to know if she could bring a young man home for the weekend. And of course, we said yes. We'd rather that she bring him home. And uh, and so uh, I remember the the first night we were living in Abingdon at that time, and. Boy, they spent a lot of time on the back porch way into the night, and we learned then that we um, started to learn about Phil. And uh, but I was absolutely, um, we were so glad, and they've had a just a, a such a productive time in ministry, and and by God's providence, uh, they moved close to us, and we just we're just so glad to have have them and have our grandkids here, and to see uh, Echo thriving see it thriving, and um, God is so good, God's so faithful. So today, I, I titled this message, God is out of this world plan to bless the earth. God's out of this world plan to bless the earth. And the big idea, the main idea is that God's big purpose is to fill the earth with his presence and his people. This is the thrust of what the book of Genesis is about, just um, just as a, uh, to set some of the background for the book of Genesis, uh, the author is Moses, and Moses is the the only author in the Bible that wrote about things that he had not experienced. He wrote about things from the beginning, and uh, God had raised up Moses. But what he was writing for. The purpose of what Genesis was, um, and often God, God has more, when he has a purpose, it serves multiple purposes. It's like if you see, if you've ever driven across the Great Plains and you come to the Rocky Mountains, 
and you see what they call the front range. You're so impressed. But until you pass that front range, you don't know that there are several other ranges or mountains behind them. So we look at the book of Genesis, and Moses was writing this to explain to the people of God at that time who lived in the middle of what was known as the ancient Near East cultures. They were pagan cultures. He wrote to explain to them who God is and who the people of God are. In other words, what their purpose is. And Genesis is about origins and how God would use them. Uh, he wrote so they would know that they had, they had a, a, a purpose that was different than those cultures that were around them. And it's as relevant today to us as it was back then. The implications are that today we live in a world that we are surrounded um, with cultures that are foreign uh, to uh, God and his ways. And like the ancient Near East cultures, they had created a narrative. Every, every culture creates a narrative or what it means to live or how we live, what we value. And some call this a plausibility structure. A plausibility is structure is something that is created to make sense of their world and their place in it and what was in it for them. It sounded good to them. You know, if you have, we have kids and they get in a squabble and one comes and they tattle on the other. Has anyone ever had that happen? You know what that is? And they come and they tell you how they've been offended and often it's with tears and they're pleading their case and it's meant to convince you to do something <laughs> bad to their brother or sister, I guess, to make the even the score. And then the next thing you know, their sibling comes in and they're standing before you and tears are coming down their eyes. And I'm telling you, they've taken their stance like an attorney before the jury. They're wrapping things up. And by the time they're finished, you don't know who in the world to believe. They both seem right. Every culture has a plausibility structure. And the world that we live in has a plausibility structure, just like the ancient Near East cultures. The problem is that the narratives of the kingdom of this world took them and will take us far from God, far from his purposes, and far from his great love. A wonderful writer, his name is Leslie Newbegin, he was from uh, England, a great missiologist said, the greatest threat to the church is giving in to the reigning plausibility structure of the world around them. But I'm so glad that God has a sure word for us today. How about you? A more sure word of who God is and our purpose in living for him. The Bible tells us, and, God, and Moses wrote, that we are his people First Peter, Peter wrote to the, the people that had been so badly persecuted in, under the Roman Empire, and he reminded them that they were the people of God. They were called by his name, called out to declare the wonderful uh, deeds and the excellencies of the Lord Jesus Christ who called them. I'm so grateful for it. And so today, 
We have a purpose. We bear the image of God. We're salt and light to this world to bring humanity to Jesus Christ, to disciple the nations and bring all glory to God. How about that? Amen. I look forward to the day when I stand before the Lord. How about, how about you? And we can say, Lord, uh, we can say, Lord, uh, we've served you. We've loved you. We've given you everything we have. And it's yours. And what we've done is in the books. It's in the books. And we've lived to glorify you. Just aside, I'm, someone has called me from Wyoming. And they want to do, um, they write a, a blog post. But then they, they also do an interview. It's, it's an online interview. And um, so we had a half-hour conversation. And we, we, one of the things I talked about was using our lives and the blessings of God and using ourselves as a coin in the master's hand. And we say, Lord, you spend me. You spend me. You spend me any way you see fit. And so he sent me a list of questions, and he wants to know where does that come from, being spent for God. And I'm so glad I get to tell him. But more than that, I'm so glad that I get to live that. How about you? Lord, you use me, praise his name. There's a structure in Genesis chapter 1, um, and it, 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 it bleeds into Genesis chapter 2, and then, then it's actually, there's more about it in Genesis chapter 2. But here's the structure as you read it. The first half of it, up to about verse 13, is God forming the earth. That's what it's about. God said he separated, what, the, the, the waters from the firmament. Okay, that's forming the earth. And then the second the second part of that is about <clears throat> filling the earth. And so he said, let there be light. And the sun, moon, and the stars came. And they, their, their job was to both form, it was structure, and to fill. They governed the earth. So, uh, so we, we try to wake up when the sun is up, we, you know. Try to work when, you know, if we can. Uh, our life is governed by that. But then the third thing, in filling the earth, he filled it with the birds, the beasts, the fish. And then ultimately he filled it with mankind. He filled it and that to, uh, to, to be his uh, representatives and to rule and reign, exercise stewardship over this earth. So God's um, big plan, ultimately, is a plan uh, for you and for me um, that earth, uh, once again, his big purpose is to fill the earth with his presence and with the people of God. Uh, the Lord fills the earth with us. He fills the earth. Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare the glory of God. Romans chapter 1, Paul declared that creation tells of God so that uh, every, no one has an excuse about God, uh, not knowing. He reveals uh, himself. And there's three, if, you wanna, if you're taking notes or uh, this would be, I believe it's helpful to you. There's three things as you read the scriptures, all of these scriptures, God's uh, relationship with you and with me, his purposes can be summed under three things. Um, that the Lord God reveals himself. The second thing is 
R for he comes to redeem. The third is that he comes to rule, reign, to establish his kingdom here on earth. The cord that brings it all together through all of it is the mission of God. It's the redemption that God has for you and for me to bring us back into relationship for him. Thus, Jesus Christ came to this earth. Praise his name. God's ultimate plan is that the knowledge of the Lord will fill the earth as the water covers the sea. How about that? I long for that day, don't you? I long that there will come a day when we no longer have to pray for Israel. We no longer have to pray for war in the Middle East. Uh, there will come a day, the, the, the Bible uh, has prophesied, God, the prophets of old said that the lion will lay down with the lamb. The, the swords will be beat into plowshares. Uh, the earth will be productive. The knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth as the water covers the seas. I was asked to pray Wednesday night for Israel. I too felt like Pastor Phil, that this is such a complicated, so complex. God has made a covenant with Israel that is everlasting. It's an everlasting covenant that will not be broken. An everlasting covenant. Political Israel and the covenant with Israel are not necessarily the same. But his eye is on that land. His eye is on that land. And somehow, somehow, as they are under practicing an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, and they have to defend themselves. And, but the bloodshed and the violence is not God's plan. I don't condemn anybody. I don't. I'm not. I, I cannot do that. You have to defend yourself. But somehow, you know, the Word of God says that the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. And so, in God's mystery, my prayer is that, God, that you would use this, that humanity would exhaust themselves and you would use this as a schoolmaster to lead humanity, both, uh, both Israelis that do not know Jesus as their Savior, Muslims that do not know Jesus as their Savior, the United States, those that do not know Jesus as their Savior, the entire world, you would use this as a schoolmaster to long for the Prince of Peace to lead us to Jesus Christ when it's all said and done. And we have to believe that he is the Prince of Peace. Praise his name. And so today I want to, as we dive into Genesis, um, how does this apply to us today? The first thing I want to share is this, is that God created man in his own image. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. We'll read these verses. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image according to his likeness. 
and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every crawling thing that crawls on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. I want to encourage you as you hear the word of the Lord and as you read the word of the Lord to take note of the many times when God's word says something different than the reigning plausibility structure of the world that we live in. So what this means is, first of all, there was intentionality. So the Lord said, let us make man. That's a good thing. Praise God. You are a result of the intentions of God. How many parents are in the room today? Yeah. Remember when you wanted to have your chil have children? Yeah. I remember when Chris came and said, oh, I'm pregnant. Things changed. They changed. All of a sudden, I started looking forward and making plans, and my heart was enlarged. See? There was intention that was there. And then the day that Chris woke me up in the wintertime, and it was winter up in northeastern Pennsylvania. It was cold. And she said, honey, she said, my water's broke. My water has broken. She said, we got to get to the hospital. So sure enough, we got to the hospital. And um, we, I had coached her. And we had been to childbirth classes. And very few of my friends at that time had been to childbirth classes. If you're from northeastern Pennsylvania, that's coal mining. And that was hardcore. And that was Friday night football. And that was just macho and hunting and fishing and the right to keep and bear arms. And I mean, that's just, that's just who we were. And the thought that you would ever accompany your wife, let alone coach her in this, I mean, it was just absolutely foreign. I walked into the hospital and, there, and uh, I still was undecided. They had this nurse that was bigger than I was. This grit, and she, this, I'm, she could have been a tight end for the Ravens. I'm telling you, she said, your wife needs you. And I said, well, what do you mean? She says, here, put these things on and get in there quick. She's in the birthing room. And I said, yes, ma'am. And I went in. Well, I soon found out that I, no coaching was needed. Uh, Kendra came in less than an hour. And, um, but when Kendra came, after all those things, um, when, I, when I saw her come out, <laughs> she was the most beautiful thing that I'd ever seen. I mean, I couldn't believe it. My, I told the first service my chest was as big as Chris's belly had been with that baby. I said, look what I've done. Look what I've done. She was ours. She was Yes, and I thought my world had changed before at the thought of a baby. The reality of a baby changed it, and there was no going back. When God said, let us make mankind, 
male and female in our image. I'm telling you, it was intentional. That was with a purpose. He loves us with a never-ending love, a never-dying love. He loves you. He loves me unconditionally. Love and liking what we do are two different things. But he loves us. And it's just like the door is always open. Um, that remember, how many remember the Motel Six ads that you uh, that Tom, the guy was on there, and he said, "We'll leave the light on for you. We'll leave the light on for you." And if you have adult kids and they live, you know, away, far away, when they call and say, "Dad, we want to come visit," I'm saying, "The light is always on." You know what I'm talking about? And with God. With God for you, the light is always on. The porch light is always on. There's no time of day that he's not willing to take your call. Thank the Lord for that. And so because he was intentional, we also have a purpose. And in the scripture, God's indicatives, there's things that talk, that reveal who God is and why he did things, though in those, what they call indicatives, they become our imperatives. They tell us how that we are to live before the Lord as the people of God. We are created in his image. It's called the Imago Dei, and Pastor Phil, I understand, has had a wonderful series on that. But it means that because he loves us unconditionally and we're made in our image, we also likewise are to love and honor all people. I mean, know that. All people. It's not right if we turn our nose and sniff up in the air and say, well, they're not like me, so I, I don't want them around. I want to give you an acrostic that I believe that I've seen God use and to, to use in your life. It's win to communicate with our lives to all people made in the image of God. We want you. We want you. Not only that, we include you. And not only that, we need you. And in the church, unless we have you, we need you. And we can't be what God wants us to be. So we love people unconditionally. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God. God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and strength, but to love our neighbor as ourselves. So what does that mean when our neighbor offends us? And maybe, I don't know, maybe down here, they don't, neighbors don't offend people. Up in Harford County, <laughs> I always thought we were pretty good neighbors. There's some people you can offend without even realizing that. Has anyone ever done that? I don't know what it is about. When we moved into our neighborhood, the first, we, we had a bonfire. And uh, I didn't know. We burned the leaves. We, we had lived in Springfield, Missouri for seven years. They burned the leaves out. They pile them out in the street, and they burn them. So we have seven trees on our property. We're burning the leaves, and the neighbor come running over, cussing. And we're with some of our grandkids, and we're roasting hot dogs. Cussed me out. Cussed me out. And I said, oh, my, what an introduction to the neighborhood. And so what do you do? What do you do? So we say hi. We 
we, you, you know what I'm saying? We, we say hi. There's opportunity to do good to them that despitefully use you. But we don't, we take it to the Lord. How do you want me to act in this situation? We've had occasion when there's be, when for some reason or another, I, and, and I think post-COVID has gotten, I think it's gotten worse. People have like a hair trigger. And uh, there's been occasion, and so my wife has, I like to call it a ministry of making bread. And I'm the first sampler. But people take offense. But when their loved one dies, passes away, there's a loaf of bread that goes with a visit. How many hear what I'm saying this morning? Yes. What the Lord wants us to do, being made in his image, being having a purpose is to love people, is to take the initiative rather than being defensive about it. Where his, Paul, uh, Peter wrote, above all things, be fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sin. His image bearers were vice regents acting on his behalf on mission. Paul said, we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal through us. The good news today, friend, is that God not only formed you and me, he also has a plan to fill our life with his presence and his ways and his spirit to transform us. The second thing I want to share with you this morning to how God uses us to bless the earth is he blessed them and created them to be hearers and rulers. Genesis 1.28 says this, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You and I, of all God's creation, are uniquely created to hear the Lord. He, because he uniquely speaks to us. We have been created to receive from him and to be transformed by his word. What's the implications of that? It's that God alone walked with Adam and Eve in the garden of all of his creation. That's what Moses wrote about. He didn't say, God went to the bunny rabbits and petted the bunny rabbits, and he, who knows, might have done that. He, he said, he didn't say God had a pet dog, and he might have had a pet dog. I don't know. Or a pet cat. I don't know how many, I'm not going to take a vote. How many, I'll get run out of town. How many cat people, how many dog people? I'm not going to go there this morning. But of all of his creation, he chose you and me to fellowship with. And not only to fellowship with, we alone are created to hear the voice of God, to be transformed by it. He has an interest in them. He came and I call it management by walking around. I love that. 
just came in the cool of the evening. How you doing, Adam and Eve? How you doing? Just walked around. Just hung out with them. He didn't check them out on social media. He didn't text them. Didn't email them. It was person to person that he came. And what that means is that when God calls on us, it changes us. That's how strong his voice is. I was, I was uh, at Penn State University in a, a science program. I, it was um, what my goal was, and I was very passionate about it, was to be a forest. Um, uh, I was in forest science, not, not on a tower with binoculars looking for fires, not a forest ranger, but a forest science. Very, very interesting. Still, still love it. One night I was in church. I was on the back row of church. And, and uh, I, I wasn't living as close to the Lord as I should have been. I was immersed in, in higher education. And that reigning plausibility structure then and now has a tendency to lead us away from the purposes of God and to put us at the center instead of God. But God said to me, he said, I want you in the ministry. And that changed my life. And I said yes to God immediately with no, never turn back. He changed. But what I've also found out, what the scripture says, because we're his children, we can call on the name of the Lord. How many know what I'm talking about? We can call. David wrote in Psalm 34, this poor man, he called to the Lord. And the Lord answered him and delivered him. He said that when he called to the Lord, he said his ear, his eye is on the righteous and his ear is open to our call. Praise his name. And so the Lord, we can call on him, but he's also called us to rule as stewards in his creation. And what stewards mean is that we don't own it, but we have the privilege of using it. And how many know that's a good thing? That's a good thing. In fact, I think sometimes I'd like to, I'd like to use somebody's car instead of an owning someone's car. How about you? Or how about a boat? If you're a boater, I'm a boater. And they said, someone said, uh, Everything happens, it's accelerated three times with a boat. Happens three times as fast on the water as on land, and it costs three times as much. I like to fish, I like to crab, I'll take my grandkids out, and we'll do things. And my two oldest grandchildren, they were out with me yesterday in the pouring down rain. We are crabbing. And we caught 74 wonderful crabs, right? Yes, I mean, this is a good time of the year. And so my, my one, my granddaughter, I'm telling her, this is, this is what it means to be a real woman. Just be like your grandma, okay, don't. And so she's out there. In fact, she wanted to extend the day. But I, and so I taught my grandson how to operate that boat. But I said, be careful, please. Because if you get one of those crab traps tangled up in that prop 
and it's, it, it might cost me $2,500 because it's happened before. So in that instance, I wish I was using the boat instead of owning the boat. So the Lord has given you and me the privilege to steward, and he's given to us everything, Peter wrote. He said, everything that pertains to life and godliness, the Lord has given to us Everything that God has for you and for me and for this church, for the future, he's given to you everything right now for the next step that the Lord has for you. And so we're to be stewards over what God has. The third thing I want to share with you this morning is this. We're to bless, um, just before I move on, we're to bless the Lord, bless this earth, we're to use the blessings that God has given to us to bless others and the earth. What do we do with our blessings? How are we using our blessings? The third thing is that we are, you and I are created to fill the earth with God's ways and his presence. Genesis 1.28 that we read is called the missionary, it's called the, the creation mandate the cultural mandate. It's to multiply, to be fruitful, to fill the earth and rule over it. But in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, we'll read these words. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. God uses us as plan A to fill the earth with his presence and his ways. And that's because God is a missionary God, friends. Praise God. Go into all the world. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. Their mission was to expand the borders of the garden to all the world, all the earth. J.D. Payne writes in his a wonderful one excellent book is only 144 pages long called Theology of Mission. Here's an important point to grasp. God's mission has always been to have the earth filled with his people. God's plan to fill the earth goes from Genesis to Revelations. I mentioned before as the waters cover the sea. It was given to in the garden. It was given to Abraham, through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And Genesis 9, after the flood, God commanded Noah twice, multiply and fill the earth. In Exodus 19, Israel was chosen to be a witness of God's ways to the nations. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament, how this worked, you can read this in the scripture. In the ancient Near East culture, whenever a king won a battle and expanded his territory, they would build a memorial that declared, this is new territory, this is my territory now. 
So when you read in the Old Testament about the altars that were built like Jacob, you remember that? He built an altar called Bethel. This is the house of God. That was declaring to those cultures that this is God's territory now. When they came over, the Israelites crossed the Jordan River. Do you remember that? They crossed over, and the Lord said to Joshua, Now you build a memorial called the Heap of Witness, for in the time to come when your children say, What does this mean? What in the world are we doing there? You tell them this is what it means. But it also served as, as a sign and a witness in the promised land to those people who are far from God that this is now the Lord's territory, God's territory. Isaiah 45, uh, Isaiah wrote this, For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, He is God who formed the earth and made it. He did not create it empty. He formed the earth to be inhabited. He wants to fill it with His ways, praise His name. Jesus came to establish God's kingdom, and he made you and me salt and light. That's our mission, to make disciples of all the nations. In John chapter 14, remember that he said to his disciples, he said, I'll send my spirit greater works than what I've done you will do so that my kingdom can be established. Praise his name. So what does this mean? I want to bring this to a close today. It means that, that there's, no plan a, there's no plan B. You and I are it. Paul said that we are Christ's ambassadors, God making his appeal through us. What a wonderful privilege that we have. Wonderful privilege as the people of God. What you say and what I say matters. What we do matters. I want to encourage you as Echo this morning, don't hold back with what the Lord has for you. Praise his name. Amen. Amen. I, Pastor Phil, I don't know what God's plan is for you. I don't know if this is where you're going to meet from now until Jesus comes. I don't know if this is the place or not. I don't know. But I want to encourage you, be open. Be open for what the Lord has. Prepare your hearts. Just be open and say, Lord, whatever it takes we say yes to you so that we can more effectively, Lord, we can proclaim your name. We can disciple our children. We can disciple the nations. We can go and we can make a difference knowing that he's the captain of our salvation. Praise God. Amen. He loves us. He's not going to take us to a place that's going to harm us. He has plans for us for our good and not for our evil, to give us a future and a hope. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm so grateful that I can be part of God's out-of-this-world plan to bless this earth. How about you? Amen. And when I stand before the Lord, there's only one thing I want to hear. Well done, right? Good and faithful servant. Echo, well done. Well done, church. Good and faithful you've been. Enter into my joy. Praise God. The Lord bless you. Love you this morning. We hope you enjoyed the Echo Community Church podcast. If you prayed that prayer at the end of the message and began following Jesus Christ today, we'd love to celebrate with you 
and give you some simple next steps to take as you begin your new life with him. Just email us at info at echochurchmd.com to let us know. If you'd like more information about Echo Community Church, you can check out our Facebook page or our website, echochurchonline.com. Thanks so much for listening.